Well, hello, beauties. Erica here with another episode for you. And if you are new to the Beauty in the Vlog podcast, welcome. I am so excited to have you and be part of the community here. And if you are a longtime listener, then you probably know that I am on a bit of a break from the podcast, just two to three months while I focus on the Beauty and the Vlog bootcamp. If you want to learn more about the bootcamp and what it's about, you can go to beautyandthevlog.com forward slash bootcamp. So while I'm focusing on the bootcamp, I am going to be replaying some of the best episodes of Beauty in the Vlog for you. We've got over a hundred episodes here and there's such amazing content. So I know I'm not going to be publishing new episodes for the next couple months, but there's such amazing content and great gems of information that have already been uploaded. So I am highlighting those for the next few months. So uh, if you're new, then those will be brand new for you. And if you are a part of the community already, if you listen to the episodes, it's always great to re-listen again because there's just so much information in each and every episode. And I've curated the best episodes that I think you will get the most out of listening to again. And just know that the podcast is my number one. I absolutely love the podcast. That's the heart and soul of beauty and the vlog. So I will be coming back full force with amazing interviews, amazing episodes in a few months once the bootcamp has wrapped up. So I'm very excited for all the amazing content that I have planned for the podcast. And if you love the podcast, please uh, snap a photo of you listening or a screenshot and upload it onto your Instagram stories and tag me. I love seeing that. I love seeing how you guys listen to the podcast and I will make sure to share those on my Instagram stories as well. So don't forget to screenshot uh, your phone and just do it right now and tag me in Instagram. And also, if you are not a member of the Facebook group, definitely go in there. I will be in there as well. It's a thriving community, lots of amazing creators helping one another out and just a really great group of people over there. So join the free uh, Facebook group as well. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't, please leave a review. It helps so much uh, when it comes to podcast rankings. All right, guys, I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Beauty and the Vlog podcast. I am your host, Erica Vieira. Beauty and the Vlog is a number one online community and weekly podcast dedicated to supporting content creators and influencers in beauty, fashion, fitness, and lifestyle. We provide insight into the business, branding, SEO, content creation, and more of what it takes to be a successful online influencer. We've got influencer interviews and in-depth discussions to help you achieve your goals and see results online. To get the most out of Beauty in the Vlog, make sure to join the Beauty in the Vlog Facebook group and check out our Beauty in the Vlog website for show notes and more. Also, if you're new, then welcome and please make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single weekly episode. So sit back, relax, and prepare to learn, have fun, and be inspired. Let's go. 
Well, hello, beauties. Erica here with another episode for you. And for this episode of Beauty in the Vlog, I had the pleasure of speaking with Eileen of Lavender. And Eileen is a lifestyle design, YouTube content creator and podcaster as well. Eileen has just a really beautiful aesthetic to her channel. So we talk a lot about marketing and branding. And if you go and check out her videos, and her YouTube channel homepage and her thumbnails. They have a really nice aesthetic and they all just go together. And she just has a really good way of presenting her content and herself. So we talk a lot about that. And to give you a little bit of information about her, she's a lifestyle design YouTube creator and podcast host. Through her channel, Lavender, Eileen empowers millennials around the globe to embrace their true potential and create their dream life. She uploads twice a week and has almost 300,000 subscribers and 18 million video views. So I really hope that you guys enjoy this interview. I know I enjoyed speaking with her because she just had a lot of good insight and just had a really nice energy about her. And I'm, I'm all about energy. And so before we jump into the interview, I do want to remind you to make sure that you sign up for our Beauty in the Vlog Facebook group. We have a lot of creators in there and there's a lot of collaboration going on, a lot of questions being asked, a lot of just articles being shared and things like that related to being an influencer. And it's not the place where, you know, people just kind of come and drop their links and run. There's plenty of groups out there for that. Beauty in the Vlog Facebook group is not one. It's really a community. And I really love that it's become a wonderful community of people just getting to know one another. And it's a great way that I've gotten to know the people that listen to the podcast. And also we do have show notes. And so make sure if you are not familiar with the Beauty and the Vlog website, you can go to beautyandthevlog.com for this episode, beautyandthevlog.com forward slash Eileen, A-I-L-E-E-N. And we have pretty extensive show notes for every single episode of Beauty and the Vlog with links of everything mentioned, with links of all the products and tools and episodes that are mentioned. So make sure that you always check out the show notes and leave comments there on the blog. And all right, well, enjoy the interview. Mwah. Well, hello, Eileen. Thank you for being on the podcast. Hi, Erica. Thank you. I'm so excited. I am excited to have you on as well. I mean, you have a beautiful channel. Your aesthetic is really beautiful and you have a podcast as well. So you're definitely a busy, busy girl. So I would love to just hear more about your story and the behind the scenes. So why don't we get started with the same question I ask everybody that comes on the show, which is what inspired you to start a YouTube channel? Well, my story is I actually had another YouTube channel before this current Lavender YouTube channel. So I guess I started on YouTube. It was like 2008-ish and I used to sing and play piano. So I posted cover videos, but that was just like a, something I did for fun. And then it was like a few years, like many years after that, I was posting just like casually music videos throughout college. But then when I graduated from college, that was when I was completely lost and didn't know what to do with my life. So I kind of spent a few years dabbling in part-time jobs and figuring it out for myself, what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be creative, but I didn't know what that looked like. At first I thought it was music. So I was pursuing making music for a little bit. And then I just started diving into reading all these self-help books, trying to figure out what do I do with my life? What's my purpose? Blah, blah, blah. So 
I guess like two or three years into that whole journey of like just learning and dabbling, I realized that I learned a lot first of all, about self-help. And I was really passionate about finding ways to improve my life. And then I realized like I can really design my life the way that I want to live. Like I don't have to follow a set plan made by somebody else. I don't have to get like a normal job like everybody else. So I just came up with an idea to start sharing all of these lessons on YouTube because I was already comfortable with YouTube videos. And at that time, this is like 2014, I was watching like a lot of beauty fashion YouTubers, which I still do. But like, I realized I don't see any girls my age talking about how to improve yourself, how to find your purpose in life. Like all of these self-help topics that are, I think traditionally you think about like Oprah and people like Tony Robbins. Much older. Yeah. Tony Robbins. Like mm-hmm. I think like middle-aged white male. Like that's what I think about when I think about self-help. And so there's no one that I could really relate to, not like a millennial I watched on YouTube. So I thought, why not? Why not start making videos about this? And then, you know, eventually it caught on. But in the beginning, like I had no idea that it was like people wanted to see this kind of stuff. When was this when you started your channel? April, 2014. Okay. And so you had already graduated from college and you were just like trying to figure out like, Mm -hmm. what am I going to do? So were you working at the same time that you decided to start your channel? Yeah. So I was working at this food festival. I was doing like PR and marketing. And then on the side, I was like pursuing music. I also pursued acting a little bit, just going to auditions. So I had a job, but I was also like actively pursuing the creative side. And then I was starting my YouTube for I like, I didn't quit that job until like one and a half years after I was into the YouTube channel. And then there was like a shift where I decided to like put all my energy into the channel and keep, you know, try to grow it. I feel like that shift happens to a lot of people where they, something happens and they're like, you know what? I'm turning this from a hobby into something like super serious. And then they see a lot of change and growth after they can commit themselves fully to their content. Yeah. No, I mean, a lot of it was like, I didn't feel like I liked that job anymore. Like it was a good opportunity and I was growing with it, but you know, when you just feel like you shouldn't keep going with this thing anymore and, and YouTube just felt so right. So that's why I made that decision. I think in the beginning, I wanted the YouTube thing to be serious. It just took a while to get it off the, you know, to get it off. Yeah. I mean, as YouTube naturally does. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay. So then When you first started, were you just uploading infrequently or, you know, what was your approach when you first started your channel? With my previous music channel, I was really infrequent. So when I decided to start this Lavendaire channel, I made it like a personal goal to upload once a week. So even from the beginning, I was uploading every Wednesday and I still upload Wednesdays now, but I do two videos a week now. But I think it was just like one thing that I knew I wanted to stick to because I heard like commitment is or consistency is super important on YouTube. I did a lot of like research on other YouTubers and stuff. So that was one thing I started like right when I started my channel. Was it consistency? That's good. And you knew right away that you wanted your channel to be about what making your life better as a millennial or? Yeah. Yeah. Just like finding your way, how to create your dream life. I mean, my tagline on my channel is life is an art. 
make it your masterpiece. That's cute. I love it. Yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> I'm like so proud I came up with that. But yeah, but that's the whole idea that we are all artists of life. Like you can really paint whatever you want of your life. You know, it's up to you. Yeah, that's great. So what kind of a response did your channel get at the beginning? Because like you said, it is a little bit different. There's mm -hmm. not necessarily young, like millennial females kind of talking about this. What was the response at the beginning? I mean, it was super slow in like the mm -hmm. first year. I think I got less than a thousand subscribers the first year. It was super duper slow. But the thing is like, even though it was slow, I think that the type of videos that I made, they're like, you know, how to stop caring about what other people think of you. So even though it's only like a few hundred people that might've watched those videos in the beginning, it was like impactful on certain people. So I would get emails from the beginning of like one or two people like telling me that, this video helped change their mindset or help their life in some way. And that's why in the beginning, like that motivated me, you know, the mm -hmm. fact that it was making a small difference in someone's life. And that's what I'm all about. So that's awesome. So you were working at the same time while doing your channel, uploading pretty consistently every week, once a week on Wednesdays. And then, so when you quit your job, it wasn't so much because you reached a certain milestone on your channel. It was more so because you were just over your job. Yeah, basically. So were you able to financially support yourself with your channel at that time? I kind of, I mean, I had savings and mm -hmm. I live at home. So it's like, oh, okay, that's nice. I didn't have that many expenses. So I'm lucky that it was not super hard for me. Like I didn't have to pay rent or mm -hmm. make those sort of payments. But, um, I think for me, it was more like just a leap of faith. Like I really, really believed in myself, I guess from the first like year or so doing the YouTube, like I knew in my heart somehow that I wanted to keep doing this and I was going to make it work no matter what. So that's why I kind of took a leap of faith there after, you know, after you quit your job, you have no safety net. So then you work even harder. So I think that's what happened. Yeah, I think that's true. When you don't set up a safety net for yourself, you kind of are like, I can't fail. Failure's not an option. Yeah, exactly. Like it was not an option. I had to just do it no matter what. So you lived at home. So what did your parents think about you quitting your job after going to college to be on YouTube? <laughs> Honestly, even the beginning, like, cause my job was not like a traditional job that they would want me to do. I don't know. It's just, even from the beginning, like when I graduated college, it was a struggle because my parents didn't understand why I couldn't just like get the corporate nine to five job mm -hmm. and just, you know, they didn't understand why I was so frustrated and lost and confused in life. And it was like a battle in the beginning. And even like when I started my YouTube, they didn't understand what it was, how it could possibly make money. So it just took like, I mean, a few years, it was just like a mess. Like I didn't have that great of a relationship, especially with my dad, because he's just like a totally pragmatic, non-creative, just a different mm -hmm. type of person than I am. So that was tough. It was tough, like not being able to understand each other. But I think I don't know what the turning point was, but like just a, maybe a couple years in once they saw that my YouTube was like it was growing. I had more people following me and I started getting more opportunities. I think that's when I think they started to understand and just let me do me. I think yeah. at this point, yeah, maybe it's once like you have some ad revenue or some brands send you products or things like that. And also, I think after a few years, like your parents just get less stubborn about you, you know, like they, they can tell you've made a decision and you're yeah. going for it. So 
there's not much else to do. Yeah, no, definitely. So when you quit your job, I mean, how many subscribers were you at for YouTube? I want to say it was like 10,000 ish. It wasn't a lot. Okay. So what did you do differently at that point? How did you, your approach change from when you did YouTube part-time to now full-time? I think a lot of it was just learning how to like create a schedule for myself, right? Instead of just like making videos when I felt like it, like I started to I don't know, create more of a schedule around like when to shoot, how to plan my shoots and like planning ahead, you know, before Mm -hmm. it would go like week to week. I'm like, oh, what do I want to make this week? It's like Tuesday. And I'm like, I don't know what my video will be about tomorrow that I have, you know, so it was was so unorganized. And then once I got some experience, I think I started to like make a Google doc and like, you know, start making a list, brainstorming ideas and just planning more and organizing it more. Mm, definitely. So did you see any changes to say your viewership, your subscriber rate after you made those changes? I'm not quite sure. I felt the change behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. but I'll be honest, the things that like helped boost my channel Um, because I know that's what you want to get into is like, I think in 2015, about a year after I started my channel is when there was this whole boom of minimalism. I don't know if you've heard about the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Yes, I definitely have. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, I read that book, I think in the beginning, like when it just came out, the English version just came out. And then I got super inspired by that book. And of course I shared it on my channel. I shared my entire journey of like decluttering my closet, my, just all these different categories of my life. Mm. And I think just because one, that was just like a really hot topic. That's where a lot of people started finding my channel. Like I Mm. made these videos on how to fold your clothes, the KonMari way, which is like vertically stacking your clothes, like yeah, folding them vertically instead of stacking them horizontally. So that, um, it's just funny because that those are like the most popular videos on my channel. And I made all of those videos in like a day. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of, I made like five videos that day and they're like super popular. So I guess I was lucky in the sense that I hopped on that trend in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And also like just tidying my life. I felt like that shifted my life too. You know how it says like it's life changing? I really think it is. Yeah. How did it shift your life? I would say that my room was really messy before. And obviously after you tidy, everything's organized. You have more space. I think when you have a clear space, you feel more at peace inside or something changes where your life doesn't feel so messy anymore. I think it was like, it was good for me because I came from a place where I was so lost and cluttered. Mm. And then I read the book and I was like, I got to do this. If it's going to work, like it's going to work. So, so I, yeah, I think after just, um, I think just more clarity in your life and then you're more focused on your goals. You're not distracted as much when you have a clearer space. It's hard to explain, but it really does work. Yeah, I agree. I think less is more when it comes to stuff like that and just decluttering. And it's funny, I'm in the middle of doing that right now because I'm due with my second baby soon. And it's like you get into that nesting phase. So it's kind of like, you're like, okay, I've really got to like, 
you know, there's something about decluttering that feels really, really good. But it's so funny yeah. because there's something also about going out and shopping that feels really good. And they're both, I guess, you know, exactly. like, <laughs> you can't have both. I so I, it's just so funny. There's got to be a balance. I know. Right? They're really. Those. Or you know what? I've learned to be a pickier shopper since I've read that book. Yeah, me too. Instead of just mm-hmm. buying things that you kind of like, like now I have to buy something if I love it. Yeah, you know? I really need it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's a really good tip in a way. And it's something that comes up often is you do have to be careful, though, but it's paying attention to trends. But I think what you did was really was really good because it's not like you saw people doing these videos on YouTube on minimalism. You were inspired by something you read that did happen to be a trend. That book was crazy popular, yeah. but you, you read it, you were inspired by it. And then you decided to create videos on it. So, you know, it was genuine and it was something that you really were interested in and passionate about without it being you trying hard to like do a trend video. Right. Yeah. And I think those, in a way, it's really important to try and do those types of videos without it being, I don't want to say fake, but without it being like, just like copying everybody else. Because trending mm-hmm. videos is, it is a really, really great way or trends, whether it's, you know, outside of YouTube and you bring it into YouTube or on Google or, or just what's going on in life are a really great way to grow your audience and having your videos exposed onto YouTube and Google. Yeah, totally. And sometimes it's just like, you don't know if it's going to be a trend or not. But if you think it's interesting, like, I think it's important to just do what you're genuinely interested in, you know, a hundred percent, because if you're not, then it's going to be a boring video. People aren't going to be interested in that. Yeah. So you did this series on kind of, you know, minimalism or you know, decluttering and all that. Mm -hmm. And then that went ahead and kind of helped boost your subscribers and views. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then at that point, did you, where, where were you at numbers wise? I feel cause like the decluttering videos, they were popular for a while. So I say I was like 15,000 and then I don't know, 15 to like 25,000 in like a few months, you know, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Yeah. So was there, and this is a question I asked everybody that's come on the show. Was, was there a, a tipping point or something else that happened uh, that brought your channel to that even next level because you're at 300 something thousand plus subs right Mm -hmm. well it's like 270 something okay yeah thousand to be honest a big chunk of that was recent Mm. I was like at 170 thousand in end of May and it's August right now okay beginning of August so yeah like this is another recent spike like the past two months were really crazy I grew like 100,000 subscribers in the past two months. Ooh, what happened? Yeah, we can talk about that. So I think I've just like learned a little bit more about like SEO and like researching what keywords work, but also like, like you said, like seeing what videos are doing well on YouTube and also, okay, I'll just tell it and you can decide. I don't know what you you call it. Mm. Basically, it's like previously I made a video on my channel called my journaling collection. So it's a video where I shared all of my journals. Like I've kept so many different types of journals over the years. And so that's that. Then Mm -hmm. I saw this video that was like super popular called like ways to journal. Like a lot of different videos were popping up and I'm like, oh, that's like a really hot topic. And I make videos about journaling, but 
like inside, I was like, well, I kind of made a video similar to that mm-hmm. called my journal collection where I shared my journals, but it wasn't like, it wasn't formatted in that How way. How you journal. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't formatted in that way. So I, it, I did a test. Like, I wonder if this video would do well, if I formatted it like that, like how to journal different ways to journal. So that's when I started experimenting. And it's basically like, I'm sharing about the same journals. Like mm-hmm. the content is very, very similar, but I'm just repackaging it in a new way with a new title and a new thumbnail. And those videos did so well, like 300,000 views or more. And I think something I've learned is like, you have to package your videos in a way that like a stranger would want to watch your videos. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause like not just a subscriber exactly, or a person, but a complete stranger, a hundred percent. Yeah. Cause it, when you're trying to grow, you have to think about like people who don't know who you are. And obviously there has to be a balance. Like sometimes you make videos for people who know you and like you. And then sometimes you make videos for people who don't know you. So when you do that, you have to like package it like, you know, to the mainstream, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. just yeah, something that will grab people's attention. Another video that I recently did that's that was really popular is called 23 Habits of the Most Successful People. So it's all stuff that I've talked about in my channel before, but I packaged them like all these different habits into one video. And that one did well. I think just because titles like that get people interested. Yes. So yeah, right. So think about like, like a lot of people, like you have great content on your channel. It's really just about how you package it and format it in the title and the thumbnail. It's crazy, right? Oh yeah. I mean, that's marketing 101. That's film 101. Mm -hmm. I mean, the preview and the, um, you know, the movie poster, whatever. Yeah. Like the trailers and stuff. Yeah. But like, you don't always think about it that way. I know a lot of YouTubers just think like, oh, I want to make this video. So they make it and that's it. But like, you don't think about all the different angles that you can do. But you should, because the reality is more and more people Mm -hmm. are watching YouTube as their means of entertainment instead of television shows, instead even of movies. Yeah. And so you want to, like you said, you need to think like a marketer, like you have to package it in a way of, okay, how is this going to be appealing? Like the content can be virtually exactly the same. And that's where studying YouTube and watching videos, listening, you know, to the the podcast and just being very aware of what's going on and what's working and not to copy, but to just to get an idea. And just like you study anything else, like what is working, what is coming up when you, when you type in about journaling, like what videos are popping up? Okay. What is, what, what's on the thumbnail? what's the titles and like you said thumbnails and titles are really really important seriously no I do that a lot I study a lot of like what other people's videos what works what doesn't work and like you see those channels like there's a reason why BuzzFeed does well all the time not Mm -hmm. just because they're big but like they really know how to title their videos what topics are hot and all that stuff They're really good at that. I actually did an entire Mm -hmm. podcast episode about that, about, you know, crafting titles that get views. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I talked about was that numbered titles do very, very well, which is, you know, you mentioned you did that 23 habits of highly successful people. And secondly, is study BuzzFeed. They know what they're doing when it comes to titles and grabbing people's attention. That's like their whole business model. So, um, 
you know, you don't want to be clickbaity, but you do want to be very aware of what grabs people's attention. Like what makes Mm -hmm. a person click on one video versus the other 10 that are up there on that page. And so I think that's, so you, so for you, you're saying that once you got more in tune with that is where you started to grow. Yeah. It's kind of like, I think after doing YouTube for so long, Mm -hmm. after studying all these different videos, like you have more of an intuition on what types of topics will work better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when you created that video of, so you went from creating like, okay, my journal collection to creating what, like a video on like how to journal or something like that. Yeah. I made one on how to journal. I made another one on like 11 different ways to journal, like different notebooks that you can, or 11 different ways to fill your notebook. So yeah, yeah, it's more of a like listy type video where I just list out examples versus like me rambling on in front of the camera. So sometimes, yeah, people don't like to see you talk all the time. They like to see different scenes. So it's always good to like have variety in your videos. Yeah. Variety visually is really, really important. And when you have a Mm -hmm. list like that, it's easy to kind of, okay, cut to one thing. We got one, two, three, four, and people get there's like a purpose to it. We're going to, we're going to look at, you know, 12 things or we're going to look at, you know, A, B and C. So, um, the people do really like that. And like you said, versus like you rambling, which might be great for your existing subscribers that love you and your community, which is super important to maintain. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, you have to, I say this too, a lot is that a lot of times you create videos with different purposes in mind. Mm -hmm. One is maybe to connect with your audience more. And it's not about SEO or any of that. But another other videos might be just purely about hoping to get, you know, on the radar of more people or a trending video or something like that. Yeah, like, I feel like you have to do both. Mm -hmm. You have to have, yeah, some that cater to your subscribers, and then some that are built to grow and find new people. A hundred percent. So the next question that I always ask people is uh, struggle. Is there something that you're struggling with your YouTube channel? Um, a few things. I mean, one is like I was saying, like how t- like the balance, you know, because once you grow with a certain type of video, like my 23 habits of successful people or 11 ways to journal, like those more listy and mainstream videos, it's hard to get the same engagement for like other videos that you make on your channel. And I'm just, I don't know if you've heard that, like, you know, the number of views that you get in the first 24 hours Mm -hmm. is really important. Right. So, right. So sometimes when you're like, you know, I come out with a July favorites video and it just doesn't get as many views, but it's like, I'm just not sure of like, you know, how to keep that balance because Mm -hmm. right to grow, but also keep the engagement level of people. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's a fine balance because you really want to, it's really important these days to create your community and create your little kind of a world online with the people that follow you and are loyal with you. Because when it comes to uh, brand sponsorships and all that, they want to see the engagement. Numbers are important too, but engagement's getting more and more important. And also because the YouTube algorithm is constantly changing, you can't just always be chasing that also. I know. So it's just like, that's but also the fact that like 
it's like to grow on YouTube, I feel like you have to do two videos a week, but sometimes it gets a little much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in a perfect world, I would just do like one video a week and hold back. But at the same time, once you have momentum, you don't want to stop. So for me, it's just like a teeter totter of like, how hard do I work versus I want to just like, you know, not be so like hustling too hard. I Mm want to create balance in my life because I'm all about like lifestyle and, you know, that kind of thing. So I feel like that's always my struggle. Sometimes I get too into the work, but I forget about the other areas of my life that I care about, like working out and going Mm -hmm. out and things like that. And I would think for you, because of so much of what you talk about on your channel is about lifestyle, that Mm -hmm. if you get lost in your work, then you almost lose inspiration. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where are you now with your YouTube career and your channel and all that? Like, what are your goals now? Well, I actually, I have like this workbook that I sell for the new year. So I, my first time was doing it last year, end of 2016. I started selling this digital and print workbook. It's basically, it's called the artist of life workbook. And it's like 50 pages of like helping you plan out your year, planning out your goals and reflecting on your past year and all of that stuff. So my goal is to, I'm going to redesign that and relaunch it for the end of this year for, Mm -hmm. for 2018. And honestly, my goal is to make that my main business, you know, make my main income off of that. And then YouTube is just like the marketing on top of Mm -hmm. it. It's just extra. And I want to keep YouTube for fun. Like I'm currently doing some brand sponsorships, but I don't like to do too many. That's what I've decided for myself. Like maybe like one or two max a month because they're just like not as fun to do, to be honest, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And I think it's really smart to be creating your own product. Yeah. If you are an influencer, because to rely solely on AdSense and to rely solely on sponsorships, you end up, like you said, kind of short selling yourself and Mm -hmm. uh, selling out a bit. I understand, you know, people do it because if you're providing this content for free, so you need a way to make an income. But if you can figure out a way to create something on your own and have it on your own platform, whether it's on a website, if it's, you know, something like what you're doing, creating a journal or something, Mm -hmm. that's the best way for you to bring an income in and have complete control over it. Yeah, I'm all about like having complete control Mm -hmm. and freedom in my life. So hopefully that's how it will be in the future. But for now, I feel like I'm still in like the hustling YouTube mode Mm -hmm. where I have to do sponsors and stuff, which is fine. But yeah, what gets me excited is that I do have a product. And for any influencers out there, like definitely think about other ways you can create an income that's not just like relying on other people, you know, not just on ads. A hundred percent. So you already released this journal for 2016, right? So for 2017. For yeah, yeah. You released it in 2016 for 2017. Oh, yeah. And so how did that do? It did well. I Mm -hmm. I think I would say like over 600 people bought the workbook. That's awesome. This is digital and print combined. Yeah. So it did well. And I think, you know, I, yeah, I'm just hoping to grow that number. And also I have like a Facebook mastermind group that I've created for everyone who's purchased the workbook. So I love that group because it's just like a group where we're encouraging each other to reach our goals. And I do monthly live chats in that group. So it's more of like a tight knit community. I feel Mm -hmm. like YouTube is so broad, but 
like starting that Facebook group really, it showed me who my audience really is. I feel like I got to know them more on a personal level on Facebook. So that was really, really cool. Yeah. Facebook groups are awesome. I mean, I have two, I have the main Facebook group for like the podcast and it is, it's really cool because with a podcast and we'll talk about, you know, you, cause you have a podcast too. You don't mm-hmm. get that same level of engagement as you do say, even on YouTube, because there isn't a space for people to put comments on the podcast. People yeah. listen to it and they're done. And so with the Facebook group, it's just been really great to connect with my audience and for people to connect with each other. And it's great. I love it. And people just gain a lot out of it. And I think it's important to have that community wherever it is, maybe Facebook, or maybe it is in the comments in YouTube. And then I have mm-hmm. the same thing. I have like a mastermind like you do, who people oh, who, nice. who sign up for the um, strategy sessions are in that little mastermind Facebook group. But that's awesome that your journal did well. And how did you sell it? Do you have a website where it's sold on? Or did you just market it via your YouTube? Or how did you promote that product? Well, I put it on my website to sell. Like I just have a page where you can shop, Mm -hmm. but I honestly, it was mostly just through YouTube videos. I made, Mm -hmm. I think like two videos solely about the workbook. And then like, you know, during that time period, I made like this one minute clip that I would put at the end of all of my videos during that month. So it was kind of like my, yeah, my own commercial for myself at the end of the video. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you probably already have your decent audience on YouTube. So you just funnel them into your the sales page. Yeah, that's awesome. So and that's great, too, because every year you could kind of revamp it. And those same people can come back and buy that product. Plus, you can continue to grow it. Yeah. So I'm like super excited for the next iteration of it. Because I think the first time was like a trial, a lot of trial and error. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Just a lot of mistakes made. And, you know, the second time around, I feel like I know how to do it better. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So you have a podcast. So where did that come in? When did you start it? Why did you decide to get onto into podcasting? Okay, so I started my podcast a year ago, about a little over a year ago. To be honest, the reason why I started it was because I was working with this talent developing agency. Like they recommended me start a podcast. Mm -hmm. I think because they had a lot of like influencers or people who had a podcast and they're just like, oh, podcasting is the new thing. So they urged me to look into it because I'm not naturally a podcast person. Mm -hmm. Even now, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm more like I watch YouTube videos and I love YouTube. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so it wasn't my original idea. Someone encouraged me to do it. And I thought like, okay, why not? Because I used to do music. So I have all the equipment. Like I had a Mm -hmm. nice mic. I know how to edit audio. And that's basically all you need to know for podcasting. So that's how I got started. And then I really liked it because it was like another outlet for me to talk about my stories in long form. Mm -hmm. Because on YouTube, you can't go longer than like five minutes of video. People get really bored. But on podcasts, people like to listen like 20, 30 minutes. So I use the podcast as more of a way to tell like, you know, go deeper into my life stories and my life lessons. And then eventually I started interviewing people, which I thought was really fun because I could bring in different perspectives. So now my podcast is more interview based than my own personal ones, because it takes a lot of prep work to create your own solo podcast and talk by yourself for 20 minutes. Like it just took so much work. So 
yeah, just workload is better when it's like a interview. And then, so I have, you know, time to make my videos still. Yeah. Same thing. I love interviewing people. It's just, you have the energy from the other person and you can bounce off of them. Yeah. I do still look so episodes every now and then, but like I do, I spend way more time like prepping and figuring out, okay, what the topics, but they're usually pretty like information dense too. So I, mm-hmm. you know, every now and then, yeah, um, you have to put those out there, but that's awesome. What's the name of your podcast? The Lavender Lifestyle. All right. Well, if anybody's listening, definitely go check out her podcast because podcast listeners like to find other podcasts. So um, I always know that I'm always, I love podcasts. I'm a podcast person. I love listening to podcasts. That's part of the reason why I started it. And I always love hearing when people say, yeah, podcasting is going to be hot. It's the next thing. So I'm like, yay. I'm glad that you heard that too. Cause that's always nice to hear. Yeah, no, it totally is. They say podcasting now is what blogging was in its golden age. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah. All right. So the next section is our best tip section. So in this section, I'm just going to ask you kind of what your best tip are for different things. You just kind of respond with a quick tip answer. Okay. Mm -hmm. The first question is, what is your best tip for starting a YouTube channel? Um, Be yourself, be original and creative. What is your best tip for what not to do? Don't just copy someone else's format. Create your own. Yeah. What is your best tip for growing a channel? Do your research on what works and really like thumbnails and titles. What do you use for your research? Do you use any tools or how do you do that research? Yeah, I have a few that I like. I use TubeBuddy, mm-hmm. if you've heard of that. Oh yeah, I've talked about it a ton on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. then there's google.com slash trends and you mm-hmm. can use that to compare which keywords are more searched. So I, I really like to compare words on Google Trends. And then I think, yeah, those are the main two. And then I'll just do like in the YouTube search bar, I'll like type in something and see what comes out. Yeah. YouTube search bar is a great, great way to research. Yeah. Yeah. Do you use the TubeBuddy paid version or the free one? I have like an upgraded license because I went to this YouTube event where they gave us, I don't know what it is. I know it's not the free one, but it's something in between. The next one up. Yeah. Yeah. That one's good. That one's really, I think it's like 10 bucks a month. I think it's just like yeah. totally worth the, the 10 bucks a month because mm-hmm. it gives you a lot more capability. Yeah. Um, what is your best tip to get noticed on YouTube? I would say the same. It has to be your thumbnail has to stand out and it has to be high quality, like a high quality photo. Mm-hmm. How do you create your thumbnails? I use Photoshop. Mm. So before I used to take like a screen grab of my videos and now I'm trying to remember every time I shoot, like to actually take photos because it's like higher quality Mm -hmm. and you can just make things look better. Yeah. I've had multiple people say that recently, how they did the same thing. They're like, you know, you have thumbnails are getting more and more important Yeah, and you can't just take that screen grab, throw it into PicMonkey and write on it. Like you need to have a deliberate photo. It really is like you have to think you have to plan your photo as well as you plan your video, if you know what I mean. It's part of the package. Yep. You're not the first person to say that. I had an interview with uh, Karina Garcia and she does Mm -hmm. like slime, DIY slime. She grew to like crazy, like 5 million plus subscribers in like a year, a couple of years or something. And she said like for her, like thumbnails are so huge. And like she thinks about her thumbnail even like before she films. Yeah. It's that important. Mm -hmm. It really is. What is your best equipment tip? I say, I mean, I love my camera. You have to get a 
good enough camera with a good lens and people love the blurry background look. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, I use the Canon 80D with a Sigma, I forgot what it is, like 35 lens, something with like a low F-stop that you can open up. You said Canon 80D? Yeah. With what lens? With a Sigma 35 millimeter lens. Mm-hmm. Like the F goes down to 1.4. So I think that's really important. <laughs> and does that create that little, that lens creates that blurry background look, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everything just looks a little more professional. Yeah. People love that look. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really popular one. Uh, what about software? What do you use for software? I use Final Cut Pro. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Have you always used Final Cut? I used to use Premiere. I switched back and forth, but I just didn't like that. You know, for Adobe, you have to now pay monthly. Yeah. So I had the old version. And then once they did the monthly thing, I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to use Final Cut. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Final Cut has a monthly option too, right? Well, I don't know. Cause I just bought, I think I paid one time and I have the program. You have it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So last part of the interview is our bonus round. And I know you said you listen to the podcast, so you know what's coming. Mm -hmm. And so the first question is, what are your three holy grail items? So you talk a lot about, you know, uh, lifestyle and creating a simple life and all that. Are there three just items that you have in your life or things that you just are must have? Yeah. I mean, normally it's like beauty products, right? But um, I'll (laughs) talk about things relevant to me. Um, Holy Grail product, um, my journal. I journal like almost every day. It's absolutely necessary for me to journal or else I'll go crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I would say my camera. I I love my camera, not just for making videos, but for like shooting photos for Instagram. Like I love, I take my camera with me everywhere I go, just in case I miss, you know, there's somewhere pretty that I want to shoot. And is that camera that you take with you everywhere? Is that that Canon 80D or do you have like a smaller one? No, I have a smaller, like a Sony, the point and shoot RX 100. I'll take that one with me everywhere. And then, um, I don't know, I'll throw a beauty one in there. Sure. (laughs) I'm really loving like, you know, Michelle Fawn's M Cosmetics, her Mm -hmm. eyeliner. I'm like loving it. She has a liquid eyeliner. The new line she came out. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And for those of you listening, I have the show notes for this episode at beautyandoflog.com forward slash Eileen. That's spelled A-I-L-E-E-N. So for anything that we're talking about, any links or anything, you can find them all on the show notes. All right. Next question. So we talked about what you use to edit and your camera. What about lighting? Oh, I'm a natural lighting girl. Like Mm. I love natural lighting. So I film in front of a window and recently I got this like white is it called a filter it's like this white circle thing that i clip up to soften the light that's coming in Mm. put that in front of (laughs) in front of me okay so it's not like a light it's like a filter thing yeah you can also use like a white umbrella you know Mm -hmm. how some people have umbrella lights yeah so i just put the umbrella in front of the window and then i'm in front of the umbrella so that the white goes to me Mm. instead because sometimes like direct sunlight is, it looks so yellow. It just doesn't look as nice. So I like the whiter look. So I use a white um, softener. I guess you can say that. All right. Okay. I'll have to look and see, or maybe you can email me what that is if you're able to look it up and see. Totally. And then Mm -hmm. we can put that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. What would you not do again if you were to start your channel right now? Um, I would not 
make random videos. I, well, I mean, I think it's important for me to like experiment in the beginning, but I definitely could have been more deliberate and intentional with my videos in the beginning mm. to grow faster. Um, yeah. <laughs> Who would be your dream collaboration? Um, there's this girl that I love called I am Karen O. Mm-hmm. She's super aesthetic mm-hmm. and fashionable. So yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah. What do you wish you did when you first started? You know, I always, I'm not good at answering these questions because I always look back and be like, I wouldn't change anything. Cause yeah. Right. right? Like I don't like to you learn from make it. regrets. Yeah. Everything happened for a reason. So I don't know if I would do anything different. Um, oh, I know maybe I would have like invested in better camera equipment or better equipment sooner. Cause it does mm. make a difference. When did you kind of upgrade? I upgraded, um, 2016, mm. but like 2014, I mean, I had an okay camera, but uh, I just think it like, it makes a difference. Also like the mic quality, mm. the audio is really important too. Yeah. In the beginning, I would just use the camera mic, whereas like, it's better to use like an add-on mic. What do you use? Um, I have a Rode mic yeah. that, that goes on top of my camera. I think that's what everybody uses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the smartest decision that you've made in your online career? Mm, making the my decisions on my own. Like for example, not feeling like I have to say yes to every email that comes in, especially in the beginning when you have like all these brands offering you free stuff to make a video. Like there's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like knowing my worth and not agreeing, not saying yes to everything because that would have been too much. So yeah. Yeah, that's good. Do you have like a manager or somebody that helps you with that kind of stuff? No, I still do it myself, Mm. even though I have emails on on managers, but I don't know. It's just weird to like, I still feel like I can handle it myself right now, but we'll see. So you're pretty deliberate in wanting to manage kind of your whole thing. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some people that are like really big that still do everything themselves or they have like a family member that helps them with with some things, Mm -hmm. but they, they make a lot of the the main decisions and all that. Yeah. What is the biggest mistake that you've made in this online career? Mm, Okay. Let me think about this biggest mistake I've made. I honestly don't know. No, that's okay. Cause like, you know, everything that you've done is a learning experience. It's like, I feel like I've made a lot of little mistakes, Mm -hmm. but not like big mistakes. I mean, okay. I'll say this something that I've done in the past is like, I let comments get to me too much mm-hmm. when now I realize that people have such a, there's such a range of perspectives out there. You can't really please everyone. And before it's kind of like, you know, sometimes you'll make a video about a certain topic and then people don't see it your way, or maybe you use a term in the wrong way and people like nitpick. And I used to, um, respond to every single comment mm. and try to defend myself Yeah, no. where now it's, it's kind of like a waste of time. Yeah. And even like spending the time doing that, it's like, it's not always productive also. Exactly. Yeah. What is your favorite video or the one that you're the most proud of? The ones that I've recently made, I really like, I have one called like how to be inspired or how to find inspiration. And then I do really like my 23 habits of successful people Mm -hmm. because I put a lot of time into that. And I took like scenes from so many different videos of my past and like compiled them into that one video. So it's like a good, I don't know, it's just nice to watch it. It's awesome when like one that you feel really, really good about also ends up being popular. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that you put a lot of work into mm-hmm. it because I know some people say like, you know, my favorite is or one that I put this much work into it and I was loving it, but it didn't do that well, but I don't care. I still love it. But yeah, yeah. That does happen sometimes yeah. where you think it does well, but it doesn't, but you're like, I still love it. I still love it. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. nice when the two can align and it, it does end up being popular. Yeah. What is your favorite opportunity you got as a result of being on YouTube? So many. Okay, one that is super random and actually happened in the beginning was like I got an opportunity to go to Sedona, Arizona for this um to meet this author. Like he mm-hmm. his name is Ilchi Lee and he writes books on spirituality and meditation and he has like this meditation center retreat mm-hmm. in Sedona. So like I got to they flew me out there and like I stayed just like a few days there and I got to meet him and interview him. And he's like this old Korean guy. So it was really like, like a surreal experience. Like things like that are just so surreal. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. I've been to Sedona. Sedona is a very spiritual, very like yeah. a lot of energy in that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other fun opportunities or anything? Aside from that, honestly, the best part of YouTube is the fact that my audience is global. And I feel like everywhere... Like I travel often and it's kind of like, I feel like I know people from all over the world, you know, and then some of my, yeah, some of my audience members, like I said, like I got to know them personally, like through my mastermind group or just, you know, on Instagram, we'll like chat back and forth. So some of them, like I've actually made friends with. So I went to Amsterdam like earlier this year and I met up with one of the girls that I met online, but it's kind of like, we've been talking online for like two or three years and it was just you know, things like that. It's just so cool to meet someone in another country that you vibe with. Like you're the same type of person, but you're just on the other side of the world. It's so crazy. And I mean, in the past, you said like, oh, I met someone online. They're like, oh my God, that's so weird. But now it's totally (laughs) normal. I mean, exactly. even for me in the podcast, I've had you know, I've had over a hundred people on the show and I've made friends with uh, like good friends. They've, a few of them have stayed yeah. in my home when they've wanted to go to oh. L- events here in LA and, you know, other people I've seen in person, grab dinner with, lunch with, we text. It's just crazy mm-hmm. to think that you actually like met these people just being online yeah. and how you really can connect and find people that you really resonate with and just have a connection with that might live super far away. And if you weren't online, you wouldn't really have found these people. Yeah, totally. Because in the past, it's like you were limited to your environment and the people in your community. But now I feel like the people you meet online, because like you're interested in the same things and you're the same type of people. It's like you actually can vibe more with people on online communities versus like people that are in your community. Totally. Yeah. Cause you have the same interest. Totally. Yeah. Okay. And last question, what is your superpower? So what is it about you that maybe comes naturally that you feel that has contributed to your success? I would say my superpower is my, just my calmness and my positivity. I think that a lot of my content radiates from who I am. And naturally, I think it's like, I don't know, I like to infuse who I am into my videos. And I think that's why people resonate with my content, just because it's like, it's encouraging, I like to think. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, people say they like to listen to my videos and relax to my voice. And 
I don't know. That's I like that. I'm not like the super bubbly, like crazy high energy YouTuber. I'm more like I'm chill, you know, and I know that I'm different, but I embrace that. And I think that's what my superpower is. That's awesome because you're self-aware and you embraced your, you know, that aspect of you. And that's mm-hmm. what people are resonating with. Yeah, that's great. Well, Eileen, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a really pleasure just getting to know you and what you're all about. And you do have a very nice, calm energy about you, which I love. So it's been a real pleasure having you on and chatting with you. Where can people find you and your content if uh, they want to check you out? My YouTube is Lavender, and I also have my website, lavender.com. And my podcast is called The Lavender Lifestyle. Perfect. And also I'll have the show notes, beautyandthevlog.com forward slash Eileen, A-I-L-E-E-N with all of the links there as well. All right, Eileen. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it. That's our episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. And if you stayed this long, do me a huge, huge favor and leave a review on iTunes. Five stars would be amazing. It helps more than you know, helping other people find the Beauty and the Vlog podcast. Also, make sure you check out beautyandthevlog.com for all the show notes for this episode. And if you're not a part of the Beauty and the Vlog family on our Facebook group, Make sure you join for lots of support, collaborations, and questions and answers for anything related to being a content creator on YouTube. This is Erica, and I will see you next week.